What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Matt Eddy, I'm John Manuel, coming to you from the Baseball America podcast nook. We want to remind you that you can go ahead and get your orders in for our 2012 books at BaseballAmerica.com, the Baseball America store. Get your copy while supplies last. Choose from the Prospect Handbook, the Almanac, the Directory, our Draft Almanac, the Super Register, all available at BaseballAmerica.com backslash store. And also available there is a subscription of the magazine and uh, or subscription to the online product, all of which contains the nuggets of uh, goodness that you hear on this podcast writ large on the written word and on the written page. Matt Eddy does a lot of that for us. So, Matt... You're, uh, you handle our AAA page, our classification page, every issue, and nobody knows the rules and procedures of Major League call-ups like you do. So we want to talk a little September call-ups, kind of the ones that are, were the most anticipated, some of the ones, uh, not a lot of, really, Matt, not as much activity as you might have thought, but it seems like in some cases, a lot of these organizations actually are letting their AAA guys play out their minor league seasons, especially where there's playoffs involved. With a couple of exceptions, that's a little bit surprising. It used to be, used to seem like September 1st, teams just went to 40 players or 35 or something like that and went all out and just scanning through the rosters. We didn't find too many teams that have done that yet. Yeah, that's true. And, and you look in the International League, and um, it looks like Durham is going to keep its club largely intact. They called up um, Brandon Geyer. The Rays, right. the Rays did when I say they. Um, but they left behind uh, Matt Moore. Chris Archer. Chris Archer. And uh, Russ Kanzler, International League MVP. Who, That's right. Who the Rays signed on the minor league free agent market last year. And uh, given the year that he's had, has a pretty good chance of being promoted, actually, for his first big league time. One would expect. And, you know, uh, just that, that, that International League playoff race, for example, they're being chased by Gwinnett. And the Braves did call up Julio Tehran, correct? Not on yet. September 1st? Not, no, not no. yet. I guess when they get eliminated, we would expect Julio Tehran to go up. Mm-hmm. That team has already lost Mike Miner to the big leagues because of, obviously, injuries with the Braves' rotation. Mm-hmm. While Gwinnett isn't, uh, pro- probably isn't going to the postseason, that roster, that Gwinnett roster, might have as much of an impact on the playoff race as anybody because Jose Constanza, another six-year free agent, yep, that's right. has gone up and gotten playing time and become kind of a controversial big leaguer almost uh, because he's taking it bats away from Jason Hayward. At least that's, a, that's the perception among Braves fans who are irate that Jason Hayward doesn't play every day as messed up as his swing is right now. Um, and then you had Vizcaino, Aroides Vizcaino has gone to their bullpen and given yep. them important innings. And then Mike Miner, an important part of their rotation with the injuries they had to first the Jurgens, now to Tommy Hansen, and I'm missing somebody else who's hurt. Beachy was hurt for a while that's earlier. Right. That's right. So um, who else on the National League side? So we've already seen impact with the Braves. I expect – now, did the Phillies go ahead and call up uh, Dominic Brown yet or not? Not yet. yet. Lehigh, Lehigh is positioned. The they are positioned to make the playoffs, yeah. He would probably be the only actual prospect that Lehigh Valley would send up, correct? It's a veteran team, yeah. That's a good Lehigh. way to put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good way to put it. Who else among the National League clubs kind of intrigued you among uh, September 1st call-ups? Well, uh, going to the Pacific Coast League, going to the, to the MVP in that league, Brian LaHare that's gets his um, – Second taste of the big leagues. He was up with the Mariners in 08, I believe. Uh, didn't hit very well, um, but if you take that OPS plus that he had back then and applied it to this year's Mariners, 
He looks a lot better. <laughs> anyway. Is there a chance? Could he be another Mike Carp? I mean, Mike Carp's a guy who'd been up. Wasn't ever really a an elite prospect. I think he might have made a Mets top ten one time. Carp? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was he was a guy, never really controlled the strike zone, became a minor league free agent. This year he's become one of the better hitters for the Seattle Mariners. I'm not sure how, how much that's going to last, if it's for real or not. Mike Carp certainly looks for real, though. Um, yeah, he's he looks like he could be a productive player. Yeah, Mike Carp. Um, could Brian Lahare be that kind of guy? You know, I think I think Lahare could be maybe a Garrett Jones kind of guy, somebody a little overlooked. You know, because the big knock on him when he was coming up with Seattle was, well, he hits doubles. He had like forty-five one year, right? But where's the, where's the home runs? He was hitting he was. twelve in the PCL, but now he's hitting thirty-eight this year, and he leads the minors. And that's at Iowa, not in that's Reno in or yeah. one of the really offensive ballparks. That's correct of the uh, of the PCL. Yeah. That's a, that's an intriguing choice. Now, he's in so, Chicago, correct? So they called him up, and, you know, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't have a, a fixed first baseman for next year, do they, the Cubs? No, Carlos Peña's on a one-year deal, and, uh, you know, there was talk about them moving him at the waiver wire. So, yeah, why not evaluate him? It's not like, hey, I'm sure Alfonso Soriano won't mind giving up some of his playing time unless he has uh, some uh, incentives he has to reach in left field. I, I remember LaHare being a guy who played for the for Team USA, I don't remember if it was in the World Cup or if it might have even been the 2008 Olympics. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he might have been on that Olympic team. He's the pride of Worcester, Mass. I think of that as the Jason Don Olympic team. I think most people think of it as the Steven Strasburg Olympic team. <laughs> seeing as how he was the shack of that, or the Christian Leitner, I guess, of that team. Uh, Christian Leitner, uh, the problem was that Strasburg, the college guy, was the most talented player on the team as opposed to the pro guys who were on that team. Um, I think LaHare might have been on that club. He's just like a perfect guy. Especially for a manager like Mike Quaddy, mm-hmm. to be the perfect manager to give this guy, okay, we're going to run you out there 20 times in September. How much do you think a September evaluation of a player like Brian LaHare tells you? Uh, that, that's a soft division. He's going to be facing the Astros and uh, the once competitive Pirates. Right. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. I um, like your Garrett Jones comp, though. That was a guy but, who was a good, productive minor league player who really never got a shot until he got to Pittsburgh. And he's been a useful player. Mm-hmm. So, really, for a lot of these guys who are quote-unquote 4A guys, it really seems like the difference between being a 4A guy like a Phil Hyatt, I know he's a right-handed hitter, um, and maybe having a career like a Garrett Jones, or there was somebody else who just came to mind who went in and out of my head, but a guy who got a Garrett Jones who got an opportunity and stuck, made it work, or Ross Glode is who I was Ross thinking Glode, of. Ross Glode, yeah. Ross Glode's been in the, in the major leagues now for a long time. He's going right. to get a pension. That's right. Uh, what do you think the difference is between being, having a Ross Glode kind of career and being a guy who gets stuck in AAA like, a, uh, like we saw here in Durham, a Chris Richard? Well, um, uh, you know, LeHaire with these, he's, he's hit, you know, uh, more than 30 home runs in the past two years, in each of the past two years. He's only 28. That's a big part of the difference. You know, you really, he was athletic enough to kind of, Play a little bit of left field for, right. for Tacoma, but I don't, you know, he's, he's playing first base only these days. Seems like trading some of that athleticism though, for better power mm-hmm. is a trade that all those players should try to make. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which probably indicates why so many have used performance enhancers in the past. So <laughs> but, we're going down a road that we just don't want to follow. Who else in the National League kind of piqued your interest among guys who got promoted? Um the Brewers calling up Logan Schaefer. I think that's interesting. Here's a guy who's missed most of the last two years with injuries, uh, a myriad injuries. Uh, but he's a guy who can really play center field. He bats left-handed. 
That's, he's, he's a perfect guy for Milwaukee. They need a top-of-the-order guy who can hit lefty. Right. Like, next year's Nigel Morgan, essentially, is what they need. That's a great point. He's and, a guy they've really indicated steady interest in the last couple of years, like yes. you said. He had a good year in the Florida State League a couple of years ago. Batting titleist. I th- was he a batting titleist mm-hmm. in the FSL? Went to Cal Poly, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember at that time and in the F- Brewers organization, the comp on him has always been Steve Finley. Hmm. That he's a slender slasher type with really good defensive chops in center field. And, of course, Steve Finley hung around the big leagues long enough that he figured out how to hit home runs. That's right. Now, there could have been something else going on there, too, the era that he played in. But Logan Schaefer, I don't think the Brewers are under any misconceptions that Logan Schaefer's a power hitter. I had to think of him as a slasher, a line drive guy, and a defensive center fielder. And probably... His return to health, I know he turned a triple play this year mm-hmm. where he had a caught with a line drive off his head, basically, in center field and made a nice catch to start a triple play. Would seem to fit for them, like you said, for next year. Uh, maybe good insurance for them uh, this postseason. That's a team we think is a postseason lock. They just got swept by the uh, St. Louis Cardinals as we record this, and their lead shrunk to seven and a half games. Uh, they didn't call a bully Peralta yet, though, did they? No, and, and they may or may not. Um, let's see, Nashville is not – Gonna make the playoffs. Okay. So if they're gonna call him up, they probably would do that. The rotation's set. They got five guys they like. Right. Everybody's healthy. You know, they wouldn't need him for the playoff roster. They did call up Martin Maldonado, a, a strong defensive catcher. Best defensive catcher in the Southern League, a finalist for Baseball America's Captain's Award. That's right. <laughs> Our first award <laughs> on the minor league's best defensive catcher. Don't expect him to ever hit. You know, he's just gonna be like Humberto Quintero, probably offensively. I think he, but I think he threw out fifty-two percent of opposing base dealers. But excellent, excellent. Defensive player. And especially if down the stretch of the year they they maintain this lead and they're able to clinch early, give Jonathan Lucroy a couple of days off mm-hmm. and uh, have a guy out there who can catch your your guy your your starters, mm-hmm. who can catch Zach Greinke so he doesn't so he broods less frequently <laughs> than is usually the case. I um, think, go ahead. I think um there could be an interesting situation in, in Colorado if the Rockies call up Drew Pomeranz, which they seem to be angling to do. Pomeranz being the key player they got for Ubaldo Jimenez. Right. They already called up Alex White from that deal. So that was uh, – uh, White was already on a 40-man roster because the Indians have called him up earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you also noted uh, for the Cubs – I meant to talk about that. So they also called up Brett Jackson. They did not. He's oh, on they the, did not call He's on the Jackson. AFL roster. I'm okay. not sure what they're going to do with him. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll be interested to see why – well, I'm surprised that he hasn't come up yet. Or like a guy like a Josh Vitters who had a good year and – Finished strong mm-hmm. um, in August. It seems like September is a great time to evaluate those guys. Now, getting back to the rules and procedures kind of stuff we talked about, this year's Rule 5 draft, who who needs to be protected in this year's Rule 5? Is it 07 high school? 07 high school, yeah. 08 07 college. 07 high school, 08 college. So 07 high school, you're Josh Fitters was your Josh third Fitter. pick wow. of the draft. That's right. So it's time. So if you're going to have to protect them in November anyway. That's a good point. Why not go um, ahead and call those guys up now? Yeah, that's a team that's trying to be sold, correct? Or do they find I think a buyer? They did get sold. The, the Ricketts okay. family's in charge out there now. Yeah. Uh, just the financial aspect of calling a player up, you know, paying one sixth of the of right. the minimum. And we're talking about the Cubs going across town with the good guys. Good guys. Now the White Sox were one of the more active teams yes. here, Matt. They called up Shane Lindsay, the Australian. They called up Addison Reed from the 2010 draft. They called up. Right before September 1st, Donnie Lucy and Tyler Flowers, because they have no healthy catchers anymore. Um, I guess it was actually really Tyler Flowers. I think Lucy was up there. They called up Eduardo Escobar, which is a real surprise. Yeah. And no surprise, they called up their top prospect, Dion Viciedo. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it sounds like Vicieto. This is going to be one of those what if games. Uh, I think for White Sox fans, I'm sure they've already played it, Matt. Do you think the White Sox fortunes would have been any different this year if instead of going out and, re- and signing Adam Dunn as an off-season free agent, a move that seemed like a smart move at the time, a lefty compliment to all their big right-handed bats like Carlos Quentin and Paulie and supposed big right-handed bats like Car- uh, <laughs> Alex Rios. Um, Dunn seemed to fit in with them right now as a lefty bat, but he has fewer home runs now than – Brent Lillibridge is about as big as his left leg. Wow. So, yeah, Lillibridge has more home runs. So do you think the White Sox, could the good guys be closer to the White Sox if they just subbed in Dion Vicieto for Adam Dunn all year? I think that would have been a short-term win for them, but probably a long-term loss because I think the development year in Charlotte really helped Vicieto because hmm. he got a lot better in AAA this year. If you just look at his, his 2010 numbers to this year, He's just better across the board, you know. Better making contact, but drawing more walks, you play, playing a that. new position. You wrote about that in Prospect Pulse. The managers, when you did IL, yeah, the managers were, loved him. Were impressed with him. I mean, that was getting votes for most exciting player for Diane Vicieto. Now, he was the most exciting player when he was 15 at the <laughs> Pan Am Junior Championships, when he first burst on the scene and then almost made the Cuban World Baseball Classic team as a 16-year-old for the inaugural World Baseball Classic. But wow. now he's what 21. 22. 22 yeah. years old. So I guess he was actually 16 for that 06 World Baseball Classic. Almost made that roster. Uh, was on their preliminary roster, which was like he had to have 35 guys, 40 guys, whatever it was. So um, right-handed power. Again, he fits right in with what they already have. Yeah. So you can see why they went out and got done. You can see why if any team should actually have Juan Pierre on their roster, it's the good guys. He actually makes some sense for them. You can see why they thought that Mark Tehan would work for them yep. because he was a left-handed hitter. Um, <laughs> but if Dion Vicieto were left-handed, I think he would have been yeah. in Chicago all year, and they never would have gone out to get Adam Dunn. That's a great point. Because before this year in the minors, he didn't even hit right-handers anyway. So Right, right. So he's. I think for next year he'll be he'll be fine. You know, Addison Reed, though, and Eduardo Escobar, those are surprises. Did Escobar come up at all in the IL calls this year? No, he didn't. It was a pretty good year for defensive shortstops, and that would be the th- area he would draw attention. You had Zach Kozar, Jose Iglesias, good point. Um, and, and others. But those, pretty, those are the big two. For AAA, that's two pretty good yeah. uh, shortstops. You don't get too many of those kind of guys. And Addison Reed is a guy I'm trying to think about. Third round last year? Yeah, and this was Steven Strasburg's closer. That's right. Um, in 2008 and 2009. Um, I don't think he's any relation to uh, – I don't think he's any relation to uh, Mark Reed and Jeremy Reed. I'm just shocked that Addison Reed got to the big leagues that quickly. The one thing is there wasn't anybody blocking him, not in that organization. And he had a really nice year as a reliever wow. uh, in the minor leagues this year. He started off, though, in Kannapolis in the South Atlantic League, but 111 strikeouts, 14 walks, only three home runs allowed, two of those in Charlotte where it's allowed. <laughs> you know, not as big of a deal. And uh, what the opposing batting average had to be, what, 150? 43 hits allowed the, in 78 innings? This is the Dan Hudson uh, career track right here. All four levels in one year. The White Sox are such a weird organization, Matt. They are. A very unique organization. And I'm not sure that's a good thing. But it does make them more fun to talk about in some ways. Let's just hope Addison Reed, for their sake, doesn't pitch 30 times in the big league because I don't know if they're going to have a top 10 uh, <laughs> otherwise. But it's also good for them that they're getting something out of Addison Reed from last year's draft because uh, Jermaine uh, – well, Jared Mitchell. 
had a pretty brutal 2011 uh, season. He did. We, I believe he leads the minor leagues in. Uh, I believe he leads the minor leagues in strikeouts. Has he? You know, um, you didn't mention Shane Lindsay, whom they called up. Either. I didn't. I don't know how I didn't mention the Shane Aussie. Lindsay. Crikey, tell, tell, give, a, give us some backstory on Lindsay. Shane Lindsay, this was funny. I Googled Shane Lindsay on our website and came up with, I guess it was 2005. I'll have to look that up. He was the uh, number one prospect in the Northwest League as a Rockies farmhand. And Will Kimmy, the late, great Will Kimmy, well, of course he's not late, late of Baseball America. But uh, Will Kimmy did uh, the chat that year into the Northwest League rankings. And that was the absolute right call. And that was not exactly a big year for the Northwest League. Let's read that uh, that top 20. Shane Lindsay, Donald Veal, Taylor Teagarden, Nick Hundley, Kung Fu Panda, Pablo Sandoval at five. So, again, we didn't rank Pablo Sandoval in the top 30 the year before he broke out, but we were on Pablo Sandoval. Luis Valbuena, Dan Griffin, who's nowhere to be seen uh, big league-wise, John Mayberry Jr., Ben Copeland, Chase Headley, and the rest of that list, personal cheeseball Marcus Sanders down to 13. Uh, the Giants ruined his shoulder. None of the rest of these guys even made the big leagues. And I was like, wow. Justin Sellers, number 19. He made it. Oh, he is. He's in the big leagues. I'm <laughs> out with the Dodgers. You're right. You know, I don't even know my password by heart, so I'll never be able to access this. There were the scouting reports. But I looked at uh, Will Kimmy's chat to see if there were other guys who should have been included. And the answer was no. He got them all. You look back at the other guys people asked that's about. That's the beauty of an eight-team league. That's it. <laughs> that was This was it. The guys who people were complaining about were pitchers like Brent Carter, <laughs> Mark Madsen of the A's, hmm. Will Thompson. I mean, it just was not a good year for the league. Daniel Cart. Um, but fastest to the big leagues was one of the questions. Lindsey Reveal. And uh, Will Kimmy said, I'll take Lindsey. But uh, Shane Lindsay's career interrupted since then by multiple shoulder injuries. That's right. But he did come back as a six-year free agent. The White Sox gave him a shot. And uh, up to 98 at the P- at the AAA All-Star game this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a tremendous season. Just the numbers for Shane Lindsay, strikeout-wise, were great numbers. And I think he's a good story. He, he, was, a, he was a guy. He was a big prospect. I'm happy for, the as I said, uh, Will Kimmy, the late, great Will Kimmy, to uh, be able to put Shane Lindsay – yeah, we're going to be able to put an asterisk on that list. That's right. <laughs> uh, past big leaguers. And of course, we could put one by Donnie Veal, too, by virtue of the Rule 5 draft. That's right. But this, but was, this one's a This is real. a legit one. It is legit. So <clears throat> this year he starts off. This is awesome. Our stats database starts off with Melbourne and the Australian <laughs> Baseball League last winter where he gave up 17 runs in seven and two-thirds innings and walked 10. But this year, you know, command is never going to be his forte. Yeah. 51 walks and 64 innings at AAA Charlotte, but 78 strikeouts, so 11 strikeouts per nine. And uh, if there's any organization that's going to give a power arm like that a chance, hey, I would take my chances with the White Sox because Don Cooper's a pitching coach. Yeah. He's pretty good. He doesn't give up the hits, though, you know. He, he doesn't. 28 hits allowed and 64 Walks innings. don't advance the base runners. That's right. A walk is not as good as a single. 59% of his pitches for strikes, according to yeah, I mean, the, the I mean, the whip is manageable. It's a one 2 4 in AAA. You know, it is manageable. He just walks everybody. So, and uh, you know, Sergio Santos has shown that you give Don Cooper a raw power arm, and he's going to get something out of it. So, maybe one day the White Sox will have enough buffer in the bullpen for them to wise up and put Chris Sale in the rotation where he belongs. But it's the Baseball America podcast with John Manuel and Matt Eddy. Matt, who else in the National League among the call-ups 
uh, piqued your interest? Anybody uh, of interest that you liked? Absolutely. Let's talk about Brad Brack. Brad the, Brack. With the Padres. 42nd rounder from Monmouth. Um, That's awesome. Cal League pitcher. I don't know about pitcher no, of the year. That was last year. I think he was the pitcher yeah, of the year. He was something of the year in the Cal League. 43 or 41 saves last yeah, year? Yeah, to match his draft round. That's it. So, <laughs> nice. then, so then he goes from double A this year right up to the big leagues. And um, what I thought was fascinating about Brad Brack's call up, aside from his backstory, is he got called up on the same day that the Rangers called up Mark Hamburger. That's right. A non drafted free agent from. Um, like a community college in Minnesota. Yeah, something like that. So, was he originally signed by the Twins and then traded to the Rocky to the Rangers in some deal? Yeah, for Eddie Cordato, I believe. I think you're so. <laughs> wow. So these two guys, these guys here, you know, they who um, are these guys? These they're both both fastball reliant right-handed relievers. Um, arm strength. I like I like uh, the name Mark Hamburger better. But I can tell you that last year uh, Brad Brack. Uh, pitched in the Futures game, in the Rising Stars game, I should say, in the Arizona Fall League. And he was Darren Sutton's pick-to-click. Wow. Not that Darren knows a whole lot about anything. He is the son of a big leaguer, and he does it. He is a broadcaster. He sees a lot of big league games. But uh, being able to work a couple innings of that game with those guys, he loved Brad Brack. He loved the backstory. He loved the aggression. I think he may have talked to a scout who really liked Brad Brack. I don't think we like Brad Brack as much. But, again, you're looking for a reliever. He throws strikes, 12 walks all year in 72 innings. He misses bats, 94 strikeouts. I think it's unlikely that he's going to have anything more than a Luke Gregerson type of career. Mm-hmm. But there are worse careers to have than a Luke Gregerson type of career, mm-hmm. especially if you a 40-plus round pick. Mm-hmm. So he, I like Brad Bragg. Good story. But I don't like him as much as Mark Hamburger. Okay. Sounds like Mark Hamburger has stuff up mm-hmm. to 97 miles an hour, decent slider, Again, I think his role is always going to be up and down setup guy, but non-drafted free agent of the big leagues, hard not to like those stories. Yeah, within four years, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Ryan Han- is, uh, among domestic non-drafted free agents, who's the best big league non-drafted free agent right now? Is it Ryan Hannigan? Probably Ryan Hannigan or, or Brandon Beachy, I would guess. Oh, Beachy. It has to be Beachy. So that's- Sorry, Ryan Hannigan. It has to be Beachy. That's the best. Development story the last couple of years for me. Oh, yeah. Got handed to the Braves from um, a NAIA third baseman to big league rotation <laughs> in two years. You know, I insane. think he had less projection than that. I believe he was a first baseman. I know that's third base is what people say in the major league broadcast, but I believe he was first base closer for Indiana Indiana Wesleyan. That's just crazy. It is crazy. That's just tremendous scouting. Um, I know in the American League, uh, one of the things that I jumped out to me as I was scanning American League clubs, um, Matt, we didn't have a lot of movement. Among American League clubs, you know, the only guy the Red Sox called up was Felix Dubrant. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, the most anticipated September call up was Jesus Montero. Yankees fans are very excited about Montero being called up. He may not have been called up early had Triple A Scranton not failed to make the playoffs for the first time. Yeah. Um, now, do you expect Dylan Batances or um, Manny Benuelos to get called up? I expect that Batances will. Benuelos will not because he doesn't have to be protected on the forty man yet. Um, Batanzas does. It would not shock me if he wound up getting a promotion. I mean, he pitched well down the stretch. What in the international league this year? What was your impression that people had of Montero? He was included in that article, I believe you had with uh, Viciedo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the numbers for Montero were the worst of his minor league career, but that just means they were merely good, mm-hmm. not tremendous. Uh, what's the general consensus you think on Montero as a player? And the anticipation of it, what do you expect him to do? Can he help the Yankees down the stretch in September? 
Well, uh, his performance line this year suggests um, th th that he can help against left-handed pitchers. He didn't um, hit right-handers with the same authority he had in the past. I mean, it could just be a blip. You could know, be. could be. Uh, to, to me, he seems like the sort of player who wasn't necessarily motivated this year. Repeating and, and a level is not easy for a 20-year-old. No, twenty-one-year-old. I, I think he'll be a player who, who will be bigger in the big, better in the big leagues than he was this year. Maybe not as good right away as he was in 2010. But do you think there's a what are the chances? What are the odds that he is Josh Phelps part two, hmm. a guy who's so big that at an early age he had the athleticism and and, and flexibility, but the bigger he gets and just the older he gets, I think he's old, but the older he gets the stiffer he is and the more difficulty he has in his premium right-handed breaking stuff, which he seemed to exhibit a little bit of in AAA this year. Yeah, that's a possibility. It's not like the most traditional swing either. You right. Know, he's not a traditional guy. You know, he might look more for somebody, like kind of a, a lesser knockoff version of Carlos Delgado, I guess. If you're looking for somebody switching off catcher, yeah, I, don't yeah. Think, I don't think he's going to be as good as Delgado, but... Um, oh, if he were left-handed, that would be... Yeah, because he, he has the hand-eye coordination and that aspect of his game that that Maybe Josh Phelps didn't have quite to that extent. That natural timing mechanism yeah. that people talk about, hitters are born, not made. If you believe that, then he seems to have that. Right. That right. natural hitting rhythm uh, that makes you a player. And conversely, the only guy the Red Sox called up was Felix Dubron, who's already pitched. Um, I guess he, what, he uh, threw a pickoff play, throw off Mark Teixeira's <laughs> knee. So he's already contributed for the Red Sox. <laughs> I'd yeah. like to see, I would like to see the Red Sox give LeVarnway some more, some more playing time, you know, if it gets to a point where – where they can, you know, have speaking that luxury. Of, speaking <laughs> of guys who are six four catchers, I know that's that's going to be very interesting to watch. He and Montero develop in the next few years. It really is because the Red Sox seem like they have, they seem like they rescued Jared Saltelmaki this year. Mm -hmm. They have a young, productive catcher. Um, as he split time, but he still hasn't caught a hundred games in a season in the major league season. He's mm -hmm. not going to this year, I don't think. Um, yeah. Could Lavarnway push him off of that? Is Lavarnway better suited as a? DH slash catcher, like we think Montero will be. I know that's so tough. I mean, is a team like the Red Sox going to commit to someone like Lavarnway as a backup catcher? Probably not. Yeah, you, you certainly know? can't have a defensive liability behind the plate when you're in the no. same organization division as the Rays. So it's you know it's not the kindest thing to say, but really only an injury to Salto Lamaki, I think, or a complete collapse, melt a meltdown back to 2010. Yeah, or 2009, Jared Salto yeah. This is like there are a lot of other young guys who are really going to make an impact on a uh, on a pennant race, uh, Matt. Um, you know, the Rangers also caught up Leonis Martin. Uh, that was slightly again before rosters expanded. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about Martin this year. Cuban, everybody said defector, emigre, whatever word you want to use. Cuban got fifteen million dollars and a forty-man roster spot this this year when he signed. Wasn't great at AAA. I don't think this is a guy who – I don't expect to see Leonis Martin on their 25-man postseason roster unless he's the 25th man. Yeah, which is possible because they're, play they're like probably going to go down to 10 Perez or 11. Type. Right. 10 or 11 pitchers. Right. It opens up a space. He's not an 80 runner, but I could see him being a defensive replacement pitch yeah. runner in the Fernando Perez mode. That's exactly what he's going to be for this year, yeah. I think he has a shot to be a regular Maybe your next second year. lefty pinch hitter. I don't know. Right. You but, know. I mean, for them – it's not a full season, but if Nelson Cruz gets healthy, I would imagine that the Rangers, even at the end of the year, if he's fresh, you might have to see a lot of Josh Hamilton in center field or David Murphy in center field, hmm. um, as opposed to Leonis Martin. I don't see Leonis Martin getting a lot of regular bats out there. But he probably does take more bones 
potential spot. I agree. So. I, I think that ship has sailed for Julio Bourbon. Um, meanwhile, chasing the Rangers, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, you've done their top 30. And kind of a guy that we've always been intrigued by, Jeremy Moore, getting his first promotion to the big league. What's the story with Jeremy Moore? Uh, Four-sport standout in high school back in 05. So Shreveport he, area, if memory serves. Yeah, right? and he's taken a very, very slow trek to the big leagues. But put himself on the map last year with a big second half in the Texas League. And then a big um, a big showing in the AFL. Uh, he, he played pretty well for Salt Lake, showed a, a, a range of skills. You know, some contact ability, some extra base ability, steal some bases, play center field. Right. I mean, I love those guys with the double the double figure hits, uh, double figure doubles, triples, and home runs. I mean, he wound up, I know it's the PCL, but 24 doubles, 18 triples, right. 15 home runs. It looks like a guy who stings the ball. He makes When he makes contact, he makes hard contact. And he has the speed to make up for it sometimes when he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I guess the whole question with him is going to be the contact, the swing and miss. Yeah. He cut down the strikeouts, but he doesn't really control the strike zone. Sounds like an angel. <laughs> you know. <laughs> he's yeah. Uh, you know, he bats lefty, so he's he'll be somebody's fourth outfielder. You know. And for them, I mean, let's face it, they already have four outfielders. Who knows what they're going to do in this off season? With Borjos and Trout, for sure, are going to be there. We have Tory Hunter. In his decline, but he's he's come on down the stretch, having a respectable season. Mm-hmm. And what's left of the corpse of Verdon Wells, who mm-hmm. I think we all know that that was a bad contract. And we all knew that was a great trade when the Toronto unloaded him on the Angels. I don't think anybody saw this happening for uh, Vernon Wells. I mean, it's a complete and utter collapse. I mean, it's not a great year by Torrey Hunter when you're slugging 423. But, I mean, the 755 OPS is probably league average in the American League this year. Vernon Wells, last I checked, had a on base percentage of like two fifty, two fifty two to two thirty eight. His slugging percentage point. actually is pretty close to uh, to that of Torrey Hunter, which is shocking. Torrey Hunter a four twenty three slugging and a three ninety one for Vernon <laughs> Wells, but it looks like that's Jeremy Moore. They're going to have to with these overpriced overpriced out corner outfielders. Jeremy Moore's best case is being the fourth outfielder if they were able to get rid of Vernon Wells or Torrey Hunter. Yeah, I think yeah he's he's probably slated for Salt Lake again next year, but you know it's only it's only be a second option here. Is Efren Navarro, who they also called up here, is he a, a factor for them at all? Uh, what's 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 the story with Efren Navarro? Uh, he did get rec- recognized as a uh, top defensive first baseman in the PCL. Nice. Let's see how he how he hit there. Twenty five year old left left, and yeah he hit three seventeen. He's not. Let's put it this way, he's no Mark Trumbo with a stick. Could he? he he might have to wind up being uh, Mark Trumbo's caddy. That'll be fascinating to watch what the Angels do next year. If Kendris Morales comes back, A, I would imagine he'll be a little chubbier. B, he'll probably be a DH. Yeah, if Abreu's gone. That's the that's what I'm saying. So what do you do with Bob Abreu? Um, and Mark Trumbo ain't going anywhere. Uh, unspoken, when we always talk about the Angels, I haven't seen it come up much. Howie Kendrick having a tremendous season. For the Angels, there's a big reason why the Angels have a chance to are, are still in this race. They're big three starters. Um, I don't see Moore or Efren Navarro really making too much of an impact uh, down the stretch here. Uh, you do also. Uh, you've done some uh, Mariners rankings in the past. Um, they kind of clean house a little bit here, I guess, Matt. In the last couple of weeks with Matt Mangini and Matt Tuiasosopo. Yeah. Uh, Tuiasa Sopo was what a supplemental first round pick, third round pick, third round pick. They put their first that year. I think his third-round draft pick signing bonus record got beat this year by Did somebody. It? Okay. But, uh, yeah, $2.29 million bonus. Now, they're going to re-sign him, I suppose, but he's off the 40-man roster. What happened in his career? Why did he, you know, 
a little bit off the 40-man subject, but what do you, what's your assessment of why the Tuigasa Sopo gambit did not work out for the Mariners? Well, he, <laughs> he, I guess the biggest thing is he just couldn't handle shortstop, and then his bat never developed like they thought it would, you know, because he's more of a two-sport guy in high school, right? Right, he was a football guy. Definitely a football guy. So I mean, 25 years old. Never really developed done. a field to hit. You know, he hit some home runs at, at various stops, but never an eye an eye opening number, and you know, couldn't play short and couldn't hit like they expected. So that was an amateur scouting department that made some <clears> spectacular misses early yeah, part of the decade. That, Michael <laughs> Garcia Parra and Matt Tuiasasopo are two that really stick out as big dollar, high dollar guys who did not. And, and right on through Jeff Clement and Josh Fields, you know. Yeah. Fields not the reliever. Yeah. <laughs> not the 20 home run now in Japan <laughs> corner infielder. Uh, but they called up Sean Kelly, Chris Jimenez, and Cesar Jimenez. So we have our Jimenez-Jimenez <laughs> double. Um, but, again, that's another – I think the, one of the things that we've seen here, Matt, is that most teams, if they had a guy who they thought could help them this year or they really wanted to evaluate, they called him up long before September 1st. How anachronistic do you think the deadline, this, this September 1st roster expansion is? Do you see that as being the kind of thing that might be addressed in a future CBA where they change those protocols? It seems like there is some movement for having September pennant race games not decided by bloated rosters. Yeah, I mean, the one player development benefit of it is that you can evaluate a player and they still qualify for the rookie of the year the next year because those don't yeah. count as service. Those days don't count against their service time, but I don't know if that's if that benefits the clubs in any way, except yeah, for a little little publicity. But yeah. it probably cost you down the road. Right, right. I hadn't <laughs> thought about the publicity positives. I was trying to think, what are the positives out of that? Yeah. Getting a guy's feet wet mm-hmm. under less pressure. Yeah, I guess the thinking is a team will say, well, if this guy's going to factor for us next year, let's see what we have in September when you know the stakes are, are low. You know, and at the same time, you have teams that say, hey, let's uh, you know, September evaluations really don't matter. You can't tell anything by September. That's, That's what Scott said all the time. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and but like the Dodgers, you wrote down Dana Evil, and I saw he was pitching in Pittsburgh. I think that he's had some success there in the past. What's notable about They've him already is called up all their guys, like you said, like Justin Sellers. What's notable about Evelyn is um, he survived Albuquerque. He actually had a pretty good year. Did he really? In one of the probably the most difficult pitching environment in the high minors. Matt, uh, we, we mentioned AAA playoffs wrapping up this podcast. We've got uh, your IL playoff picture pretty much set, PCL picture pretty much set, AAA championship in Albuquerque this year. Who's your pick? I'm going to put you on the record. Who's your AAA national championship pick? Last year it was uh, Mike Sarbaugh and his Columbus Clippers. They're always uh, good, uh, you know. Um, pretty th- good this year even without Chisholm Hall, Kipnis, uh, again, Alex White. A lot of promotions and trades and that kind of stuff, and yet still a fine year for the Columbus Clippers. Yeah, you know, well, they lost Jared Head. That's, uh, he got called up to the Globe. Indians. So. Another non-drafted free agent. That's right. Add him to the list. That's right. Put a star on that guy. Mark Hamburger. Um, you know, if Durham's big three is right, I mean, Matt Moore, Chris Archer, Alex Torres, they're going to be yeah. tough to beat. It's going to be hard to find they're, pow- better power pitching than that threesome. They're, um, you know, who's going to close out the games for them? I don't because mm-hmm. uh, right now Rob Delaney is their closer. I guess actually Rob Delaney is their closer. <laughs> They, to me, they are actually a good playoff pick. I don't know who the PCL rotations are, but I can't imagine there's one that's got more. I mean, Alex Torres is a five-inning pitcher, but Durham is uh, – it's so ridiculous to say this. Their team constructed for the postseason. It is amazing to me. Top-heavy roster. Well, we're just – obviously, we're too close to it because we go to a lot of their games. 
But it's amazing to see a AAA team with that kind of record when they've really not had five starting pitchers all year. The back end of the rotation has been filled out the last two years by relievers who masquerade as starters. Last year it was Richard De Los Santos, who pitched too many innings, so he blew his arm out and hasn't been healthy this year. Brian Baker. This year, Brian Baker, some last year too. Dirk Hayhurst, the most famous fourth starter, de- d- uh, you know, disabled list, AAA veteran in the minor leagues. Um, they started Lance Cormier for a couple of games this year. They've had a Johnny Holstaff a lot of games, and yet they still have uh, getting ready to win another, it'll be, I guess, the 11th time in 14 years they'll go to the playoffs hmm. as a AAA team, which is uh, ridiculous. That kind of consistency in any level of baseball is, I think, is admirable. So. They're definitely going to be stocking up for next year when the AAA championship game is in Durham. What are the chances that uh, – well, I know that Matt Moore wants to pitch in Albuquerque. He's an Albuquerque guy. He's a New Mexico guy, I should say. Moriarty High School. He wants to pitch in the AAA National Championship. I don't think there's any other pitcher who can say that. <laughs> I think Matt Moore is the only guy. Maybe Tyler Sturdivant, who went to New Mexico State – I forget where Tyler Sturdivant is pitching. But maybe if, maybe if Danny, Danny Ray Herrera gets traded again. That's right. Maybe he would That's right, because yeah, Buffalo is not going there. Is what you're saying? You're uh, saying Buffalo is not going to make the AAA playoffs? That's what I'm saying. You're not on that limb. <laughs> um, but I, 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 would, I don't know who I'm picking. Who's the PCL the, favorite? Yeah, You know, the Rivercats are always tough, but you know they, they called up uh, Josh Outman and – Oh, yeah, they did uh, call up Josh Outman, Neil Ant- Wagner. Their starting catcher, bit. Anthony Recker. Jason Rice, whom they just acquired. But they have Landon Powell, though, I believe. They do have Landon Powell. So the veteran. And Chris Carter and Michael Taylor and Adrian Cardenas. That's a good team. Wow, that's a a loaded lineup. That's a good team. Um, They lost Jamile Weeks early on. They did. But that's a pretty loaded lineup for a AAA team. And uh, I think all the, you know, obviously your A's fans, maybe to coincide with the release of the Moneyball movie. That's right. Sacramento can win the AAA National Championship. If only Nick McCurdy were their shortstop. <laughs> I think it's Josh McCurdy. Josh McCurdy. It? No. Uh, where's Brand, oh, whatever. Where's Brant uh, Colomarino when you need him? <laughs> Colomarino's got the – well, can we say that on this podcast? Colomarino's got titties. We're saying it. And if J.J. censors that from the podcast, that's fine too. Michael Taylor with a bounce back year a little bit this year with a uh, fine 456 slugging. And, uh, yeah, I'm picking Durham. I'll pick Durham over those guys, uh, over the River Cats. Expect Kanzler to go nuts, little uh, Tim Beckham. Do you like Russ Kanzler as a prospect? I, I like what he's done this year. You know, he, give, he gives you a good at bat. I, you know, hit some doubles. He doesn't really have over the fence power. You know, traditional right. home run juice. But I'm not sure if that guy's like an extra guy. He seems like a National League type I mean, player. Do you think at this stage in Connor Jackson's career, who would you rather have, Connor Jackson or Russ Kanzler? Russ Kanzler. You know, they both play the same positions. Kanzler can actually play third base. I was going to say, he can actually play third, which is a big difference. You know? A separator for him. For me, that's a separator. I thought I I saw the stat a bit of it. Connor Jackson hasn't hit a home run against a left-handed pitcher in like a year and a half. Wow. Peter Gammons tweeted something out like that, or maybe he's hit one home run off a left-handed pitcher. So, yeah, I'd take Russ Kanzler. Well, anything can happen in two months. No he doubt, and anything can happen in September. So uh, we wanted to go over September call-ups a little bit, and uh, me and Matt's only the only ones in the office who are interested in AAA playoffs. So we wanted to cover that ground too. Uh, we'll have another podcast next week. Next week, I think we have a couple of podcasts planned. Uh, one of them, an annual a ride of fall, a ride of the end of summer, Matt, when Aaron Fit and I crank out a podcast going over summer college league cornucopia of prospects. I also expect that we're going to have a group, a uh, giant group pod, where we go over our top 50 2012 prospects 
We'll meeting on that next week. So look for Nathan Rohde, Connor Glassy, and myself sitting around a laptop near you uh, with uh, talking 2012 draft prospects. And don't forget, every Sunday night, uh, our podcasts are obviously a little hit or miss. Uh, we're going to try to rectify that in the future. But our every Sunday night, the Baseball America show on Sirius XM, XM Channel 89, Sirius Channel 209, where J.J. Cooper and I and some other members of the staff from time to time take your calls and talk minor league baseball and prospects on the Baseball America show. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today, Matt. Thank those of you at home for the download. We'll talk to you next time on the Baseball America podcast. Until then, so long, everybody. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus.